Good morning and welcome to Big Wonder. So from now on, Big Wonder will come out on Mondays. I was recently trying to do them all sort of Friday, Saturday. Um, but then I sort of realized I don't really listen to podcasts coming into the weekend. It's normally something I'll fire up at the beginning of the week. So Mondays from here on out. Now, unfortunately for this week's podcast, I have to confess to a major tech issue. So for those of you who watched the podcast, bam, bam, um, my phone decided to pull focus on another part of the room during <laughs> during the recording of the, the podcast with my guest today, and it's blurry. So I am denied about it because it's not all the way blurry, but I thought, hmm... Nah, that does look a bit shit. So it's all audio for this one. There'll still be there still will be a post on uh, YouTube, but it will just be, you know, a still with with the sound if if YouTube's how you roll or what what have you. Um, but moving on, my guest today is a incredibly talented actor, and pod, podcast host himself. Uh, originally from Victoria, but now living up in Newcastle. And I know him through Lauren Bailey, one of my previous guests and friends, uh, and they used to run a podcast together. And so actually he was going to come down and, and, and do some headshots with me and we were going to do a podcast before this whole COVID-19 show landed on our doorsteps. So this is the second remote Big Wonder conversation um, and I was stoked to have him on. We're actually quite quite aligned in our sort of feelings and opinions about about acting and, and creativity and sort of dealing with um, having children and keeping up your creativity endeavors as a parent and, and what have you. Um, and he stepped away from podcasting for a little bit to go and work on a, a film that he was um, writing and producing with, with Lauren. And now they have stepped back into the fray with a new spin on their podcast. So we have a little bit of a chat about that as well. So I was really, really stoked to um, to have Nick Kane join me for a really, um, yeah, just free-flowing conversation. You know, sometimes the, there's a little bit of a push or a little bit of a drive and this one was, was an absolute breeze. Um, and I look forward to having him once all of this... this um, isolation and what have you is lifted and uh, he's back back in Melbourne and we'll, we'll have part two um, in person with video that works. Um, so thanks for listening everyone and yeah, Mondays from now on and please feel free to um, to sing out if you're if you're wanting to come on and, and have a chat if you sort of fit the fit the bill and and please subs- subscribe and share and do all those things. Nick, how are you, man? Very good. How are you, mate? I'm really, really good. Um, it's great to meet you. And um, yes. sorry that we, well, I'm not sorry. It's not my fucking fault. But, uh, <laughs> that's that probably it's not your fault. To, that we didn't get to do it in person, but um, this next next no, best it. thing. It is, mate. Yeah. It's actually funny too. It's not often that you only get to meet people like this, but it seems like it's becoming a more common thing now. Because Which I'm not a huge fan of. No, nah, I hate it. Yeah. Yeah, but I need the energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same, yeah. same. I remember yeah. years ago, I worked at a, I was a, a studio manager of a boutique fashion production company in mm. Dubai. Yeah, wow. And um, 
Like I kept coming in to talk to the boss about, yeah. you know, what, what about this or what about that? He's like, just send me a fucking email. I'm like, I'm at the end of the hall, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not 18, man, and you're not yeah. 18, so let's just talk face to face. And he was having none of it. I was like, this- yeah, he just couldn't keep it in his head. He needed that email at the end of the day to just go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But yeah. I, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> he also no just good. didn't like to interact. Like, right. you know, <laughs> it's like as a human being, a, a bit of bit of bit of class system type shit going on with this ah, guy. You right. Know? Um, even though he was Explains raised in Australia, um, he just yeah. You're down there. I'm up here. Really? You don't come in here. Talk to me. I come to you <laughs> when I decide. You know that sort of shit. That's a pretty terrible experience to have to go through, isn't it? When it's a real your prick. boss is like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm sure you don't catch up anymore. No, no, no. Nah, nah. Funny that. Um, <laughs> oh man. Anyways, that's a long story, but uh, yeah. a different life. <laughs> we got um, time. <laughs> so you and I know each other through Lauren. Yes, Lauren Bailey. So um, yeah, I mean, it's a fairly new like friendship. I'm going to go there, mate. Yes, that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, 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 we've spoken for maybe ten minutes on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> roll. Uh, yeah, but Lauren, I run a podcast with. Yes. So the act of storytelling. So, you know, we've run that for oh, a while. It, obviously, it's on hiatus at the moment. Yeah. Um, but it has come back in a different form recently during the whole sort of COVID-19 thing. Oh, okay. Yep. A bit but, more time um, on your hands. Well, yeah, you know what it was? Uh, I mean, the podcast for, for people listening, if they haven't listened to Lauren's yet, is really around speaking to people who are impacting the world through their art. Okay. Um, as you know, a podcast takes a lot of work. So <laughs> we were doing it monthly. Right. Uh, we decided to go off and make a film and we couldn't do both at the same time. It was just too much for us to take on, especially because, A, she's in Melbourne, I'm in Newcastle. It's hard enough when you're in the same city, but when you're having to do calls like this all the time, it becomes even harder. Um, and, but anyway, what we ended up doing was going, you know what, we need something to keep ourselves sane, right? So what can we offer the world <laughs> to be a little bit selfish and keep us sane and hopefully at the same time keep people at the end of the lens sane as well? So we created these kind of, we'll call them four-minute vlogs, which is just video content that are all about ISO inspiration for artists, things that they can do, be a part of, um, try out while they're in isolation just to keep, you know, the artist muscle firing. Mm-hmm. And what so, have you come um, up with? What's your- <laughs> Very little so far. But uh, <laughs> no, look, we've got two episodes out so far. Most oh, of them great. have focused on uh, mental health and looking elf- after yourself as an artist. Yeah. <laughs> but you'll have a few more that will go down the path of who are the people to follow on social media if you want to stay in the game? Um, you know, a couple more around what you can do in the morning when you wake up just to keep your, your brain firing in the right way. And what is what just, is that from your perspective? Oh, okay. So it was an article I read the other week, which I really love this, which was output before input. Have you ever heard this before? Uh, I know exactly what you mean, I think. Yeah. Um, there's an American Chinese, I want to say he's Chinese fella that's been on like Brian Rose and London yeah, Real yeah. and what have you talking about. Uh, yeah, like 30 minutes of just input time before you get uh, yeah. onto your phone and do something methodical and then, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly it. I mean, there's a hundred different versions of this, like morning pages if you've done 
um, you know, the artist's journey, that's a similar type of thing. But the idea that you're creating before you're putting things in mm-hmm. uh, because that is just a really pure way to create stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's starting your day in a place of power rather yeah. than letting it all wash over you, which is yeah, pretty I heavy think- at the moment. Yeah, I forget the um, brainwave patterns, but I think it's when you're you're coming out of theta and you're you're uh, transitioning into like delta, and you start, you know, if you're on the cusp of creativity and you're not like all the way in it, where you're doing it all day long, even if you're that way inclined, you're still going to have, um, you know, peaks and troughs. But yeah, yeah, that early stage, that early morning. Um, I remember years ago when I was a kid. Uh, my mum was studying philosophy and she said that, you know, in her studies, the um, they would say that the brain is like at its peak between five and eight in the morning. And that has nice. to be that theta brainwave. It's also when wow. if you're going to die in your sleep, you're most likely to die then. Really? I do, this is all new information. Yeah. So, I, I got told this when wow. I was like 10. Yeah, right. And, okay. And heavy. And, yeah, well, <laughs> it, it linked into the fact that I was a real little illustrator when I was a kid and I wanted to draw right. comics and I cool, used to man. get up at four in the morning before school and that's when I would draw. Ah, Aside good from, kid. you know, art class and what have you, my dad bought yeah. me like one of those big draftsman's architect tables with yeah, the yeah, electronic, cool. you know, tilt and and that was my jam. And then that sort of, wow. I guess, mum was at school and went, oh, well, mate, fucking, that's where my boy's up. You know, yeah. drawing. Do you still draw? I can still draw. Yeah. I don't still draw. Yeah. Nah. Yeah, yeah. I so have the passion's this, gone for it. It's not that the passion's gone. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. It's just that my passion yeah. increased stronger for other artistic yeah. endeavors. And mm. it's whenever I think about going back and doing it, um, I think, well, fuck, if I'm going to sit down for two hours and do something artistic, I should smash out a scene or I should write a scene yeah. or I should. I actually prefer playing music now than I do drawing. So that's interesting. Oh, then yeah. I should get the guitar and leave the pencils alone, even though I'm probably the worst at music of all those things. <laughs> you know? It's the way, man. Like I, I'm a failed musician in that sense too. So, well, I don't, you know, personally I am a failed musician, but um one of the things is I think that, hey, I should pick up that bloody guitar, you know, but then at the same time I'm there going, do you know what? You've got a scene that you've got to record this week and send it off. So you probably should do that before you do any of the other things. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I have like a little mind list of, mm. of how the day should go and, and where my priorities lie. And mm. then I have a trade-off system. So <laughs> if yeah. – like if if it's not going to be exercise, mm. um, like full on exercise, it has to be at least fifteen minutes of stretching. And then yeah, if, it, if it's not going to be, um, if I'm not going to learn a scene or I'm not going to work on that scene, then yeah. it has to be either something educational about acting, or yeah. or it has to be um, the guitar. I like that trade-off system, man. That is not something I'd heard of before, and I'm massive into lists. So yeah, like, right. Yeah, that's hey, a Joshy ah, original, um, mate. I like it because, <laughs> like, it's it's. I'm looking at my diary here, mate, and um, you know, I'll show you. It's like very list orientated, right? Like work, yeah. acting, personal, health, and I have a thing called the bench, mate, which is shit that I probably won't do, but if I get to it, well done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
But, you know, you often feel a little disheartened if you don't get over sort of 50% of the stuff done. It bums me um, out, man. It bums me yeah. out. And I used to be a real drifter, procrastinator. I wasn't a highly motivated individual. Like for me, mm. it was just about getting shit-faced, getting laid if yeah. I could. And yeah. that yeah. was so it. You're, you're a boy and a man. And yeah, yeah like you know, one of those things. Because yeah, I didn't I become a professional artist until I was in my 30s, you know, but I had wanted uh, yeah. to do it since I was five. You yeah, know? right. Yeah. So what it was the trigger, man? What what said, right, let's do this. The, the trigger was two things. Um, I was living with a fella who was a, a lighting designer and he yeah. was just one of those all-round talented dudes. It was just, yeah. you know, like if he wanted to go and pick up a camera and become a professional photographer, he probably fucking could have. Could, yeah. You know, and he, he would like make sort of housey type songs on his laptop and then design this and draw this and build that. And he was just a slick <sighs> cat, you know. Yeah, good on him. But he saw some of my photography and he was like, I don't understand why you're not doing this. Like you you have to be doing this. And there's yeah, a room right. in the front there. Just put your bed <laughs> in the back room and make that a studio and just fucking go to this website and go to this website and just do it for fuck's sake. So he kicked you off. He got you on the path. It was it was a 30-minute conversation and by, you know, a couple of weeks later I had taken out a loan, I had set up the studio, I had started profiles on these modelling TFP sites yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and had my first shoot underway. Wow. Because, was, I mean, it's, it's pretty much like I saw a shot today on uh, socials, mate, if you don't mind talking about it, which I think... Get uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. Film in the works, a couple of promo shots for the film. It's basically you looking badass in front of a um, oh, yeah, yeah. window, and you you've superimposed in a different background. The, the chopper background. in the burning car. <laughs> yeah. it's so good, man. Like yeah. that all you? Is that all you? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so like, good. That's on a tripod with the little app on my phone and like setting it up and I've got this yeah. plastic gun and fucking. <laughs> it was so good. And so, you know, it's one of those things where that's a true skill. You've got to have an eye for something like that. Like you can't yeah. just, I don't reckon you can fully teach that. If that I, makes sense. I, I agree. I don't think it's, it's mm. anything that's um, so specific and so skilled. Like I'm watching the beginnings of that um, Michael Jordan documentary. Ah, that, right. that's yeah, out. I'm so keen to watch that. So good. I was such a Michael Jordan fan back in the 90s. I had the sweatbands, the jumpers, the whole bit. You know, I played basketball yeah. bad, badly. Um, yeah, yeah, no, got it. But, you know, it, it, I mean, he needed motivation and in the beginning, but he very quickly, and I don't think I'm saying anything that people are not already aware of, but he mm -hmm. just had that extra thing. Like there's an interview with Larry Bird after they won a game against yeah. the Bulls and he scored 63 points, um, yeah. Michael Jordan. He's exactly. like, he's probably the best in the NBA, yeah. you know. And then like yeah. Magic Johnson is going, he's the best in the NBA. And he's only been in it for yeah. two years. It's crazy, like, isn't it? That's that extra thing. Yeah. And and look, I haven't seen it yet, but I've read a bit about it because I am quite keen to see it. But it sounds like a similar energy. One of my heroes, if I could take from the AFL side of things, I'm a Collingwood supporter, right? So mm -hmm. Nathan Buckley was that to me. And reading his book was a really interesting 
exercise because I could see how I was applying it in my own life. But he was a fanatic in regards to the way that he used to prepare, mm-hmm. right? And so fanatic, so much so that he got his um, teammates usually offside a lot of the time. Mm. Um, one of the things I found most interesting about that book, though, was his transition into a coach. Right. Because he had to drop that. People uh, prepare differently. Right. People don't always respond to, you know what, get over there and do it. That's not the best way to necessarily inspire someone. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciated his journey from what started with his father as his father literally going, get out there and do this. And I don't care if it's, you know, hailing and, you know, it's freezing and you don't want to be out there, go and do it because you've got to go and do it. To change into this sort of mentor, he got right into even um, uh, like a lot of Japanese philosophy and things like that around how he would approach being a coach. Wow. And so I don't know if you follow the football much, but his coaching and the way that his demeanor is with the media has completely shifted in the past four or five years. Dude, he, he's incredibly yeah. humble and he speaks so well. And like <sighs> I, I have a very um, – had a very whimsical relationship with football. Mm. Uh, I'm an Eagles supporter and, an, ah. and, a, and a very classic Eagles supporter <sighs> yeah. is that I would – when they were losing, you wouldn't hear from me, you yeah, know. Yeah. well played. Uh, <laughs> but, but I do remember but, uh, from, from, the, from the 90s and everyone thinking yeah. it was a total prick, you yeah. know. And then I – so obviously the season that we – Beat you guys in the grand final. Yeah, uh, yeah. got it. You know. <laughs> so I, I listened to him talk though, and I was like, man, yeah. like you get my vote, dude. You seem like a total, yeah. total weapon. But he's also yeah. now a mm. part of a collective consciousness of people who are in are into wellness and yes. and, and not being pricks. And yep. and you know, like Joe Rogan is a prime example of. Oh. Yeah, of being all of those things, being incredibly masculine and the alpha male and the rest of it and being tender Insightful. and available yeah. and intelligent. Yeah, yeah. Completely. Um, I enjoy that podcast actually quite a bit. I, um, I, would, I would say he is at, at the center of a lot of things for me and it's kind of crazy because I never even heard of podcasts until two years ago. Yeah, yeah. And he just kept coming up on my YouTube Um feed and I was like I mean I kind of remember this guy from news radio or whatever it was yeah, yeah. what the fuck is this it's everywhere and yeah. I was hooked instantly yeah. once I once I watched the first one once um, again I think with podcasting it's one of those things isn't it it's the inside of the person like he could have any guest and I'm interested to hear what he has to say and his insight on it you know what I mean I think that's his his gift for me yeah yeah you know funny bloke obviously but the pool is He's actually got some really wonderful insights that you go, God, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I've never really broken it down like that. Yeah. yeah. That's what I love about the man. Yeah. And I share a lot of his opinions on things. Mm. Mm. And and I already had those opinions when I came to the party. So it was really interesting with someone being so bold to Mm. just go, well, that's fucking how I feel about it. And actually, if you want to challenge me on it, I reckon you're probably wrong because of this, 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 and this, and this, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, what's his name? What's the fucking crazy Texan fellow with the media wars or whatever it's called, news wars? Oh, yeah, yeah. John, no. Alan, no. What's his name? 
Jones. 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 Yeah, Jones. Yeah. Um, Crazy as a cut snake. He was talking about him today on Brian Rose's podcast and he was saying he's in the top 10% of the smartest people he knows and he knows, you know, he's like, I know generals, I know presidents, I know this and that. Mm. Joe Rogan is scary smart and he'll never yeah. confess to it and he downplays a lot of his intelligence, which he does. Mm. Yeah, but he, does. he is... Yeah. I, and Kelly Slater, actually, to, to actually to make a full loop, I've been thinking about right. someone in my mind yeah. who isn't spoken about, I don't feel, by the mainstream sports world enough as easily being the greatest athlete of all time. Because mm. mm. even Michael Jordan, who was an innovator, so was Kelly Slater, yeah. um, has six cups, right? Mm. Kelly Slater has 11. Yeah. 11 and and he's 47 years old and still on the world circuit <laughs> you know what i think it is with surfing they're so bloody chilled that it doesn't feel like a truly prof- even though it's an amazing sport don't, i'm not saying it's not professional but it feels so chilled as a sport that people just don't see it in that same kind of like basketball high energy football high energy uh, elite type sport I, I i believe that once again i don't follow it that closely but someone like kelly slater is up there but we don't in the collective consciousness think of it as in the same realm i think you're right that uh, mm. um that is the general perception which is changing but um yeah. it, it's quite the opposite i mean it's probably yeah. one of the most high stakes professional sports out there along with with yeah. snowboarding like yeah I don't know how big snowboarding is on a on a monetary standpoint compared to surfing. I know that surfing now mm. is something like a seven billion dollar industry. Yeah. It's, it, it's yeah. huge, but um, so when Kelly Slater was on Joe Rogan's podcast, he was like, "I wonder if you understand this funnel of information that you've created mm. that you are like this." this um, sponge that sits right at the, at the bottleneck and takes in everything that they, and you are allowing this vast network of um, or expanse of information. And not only is it all coming through you, it's unadulterated and it's on the fringe, but you're mm. incredibly good at absorbing it and then bringing it back to everyone else that, that sits in this chair. And I was like, mm. wow, I mean, Kelly's just such a like mm. such an intelligent guy too. So when someone intelligent makes that kind of ass- yeah. assessment or, or analysis, you're like, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's pretty crazy. And look, you know, on a much more superficial note, he's living that life, isn't he? Always love the pictures of his house. He's doing the kind of um, – beautiful thing where he's got those big um, statues and I think he's right on the kind of, uh, what's the diet he's on? It's very sort Keto. Of, is it keto? Is it? I didn't. Uh, who are you talking about? Sorry, mate. I'm talking about Joe Rogan here. Yeah, keto. Oh, no, he's ah. on the carnivore diet now. Yeah. He's yeah. on a very like uh, caveman style yeah. diet, right? So he's yeah. following a certain path that he just wants to follow, right, which mm. I think is really cool in his own right. So... Two interesting guys. But, um, um, let's let's circle back just so that um, the people who are listening know who the fuck you are and, and oh, what yeah. you're about. You want to um, talk about that? Got it. <laughs> so you're from Melbourne originally? Mm. No, little country town uh, on the Murray River called oh, okay. Kundruk. 
is the name. Jeez. <laughs> 650 people. Um, Murray River, right in the middle between Echuca and Swan Hill. Okay. Yeah, I've been to Echuca. I'm originally yeah. from Perth, so I'm still... Ah, yes, yeah, trying to work out. Ex- yeah, exploring the state and work out yeah. where everything is. Um, there's so many more names of towns like in like in Western Australia and it's kind of you've got a couple up the coast, you know what I mean? Yeah, like everyone yeah, yeah. knows every town because there's not that many of them. No, that's it, yeah. So, uh, look, it was... Yeah, it was intriguing, man. I lived there till 18 and then moved to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, I was always going to move to Melbourne. It was going to be yeah. one of those things that was always going to happen. Um, but then, you know, you know, as I get older, it's funny how I've gravitated back to my hometown. So, but you're not um, there now though, right? You're in Newcastle, no, you said. No, Newcastle. Yeah. 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 So um, why Newcastle? Because my wife is from Newcastle originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were living in Sydney, so when I was when I first met her, I was in Melbourne. She was in Sydney. We couldn't decide where we wanted to go, so we rock paper scissored. <laughs> um, she lost, <laughs> came to Melbourne, uh, figured out she didn't really like it, and we went to Sydney. Yep. Thing about that though, mate, was that I didn't really like Sydney. Really? So, uh, look, the beaches are lovely. I really enjoyed Melbourne, man. The cultural scene in Melbourne was great. Yeah. Um, my wife is massive into beaches and, and kind of outdoor lifestyle, so mm-hmm. it was harder for her to find those connections. Newcastle, the reason we came here is because it felt like a really wonderful, like the beaches are amazing, but also it's got this little sort of creative hub that feels really vibrant. And I went, you know what? If I can't sort of find that niche in Sydney, I don't need to be in Sydney for what I do. I'm a creative producer as well. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be in Sydney to do that. I can be online. So if I have to travel, I travel to Melbourne or Sydney or whatever. Mm-hmm. But at least I can be here, have a bigger house. I've got two kids, man, so they can run around the backyard, do all that kind of stuff that you couldn't do in Sydney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do yeah. love Sydney, I have to say. And I always have a great time when I'm there. And mm. um originally was going there and it was just the only reason I ended up in Melbourne was I was going to Tafta in Sydney oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then talking to someone who had been to Tafta who was from Perth, a mate of mine, and yeah. she said, I don't know if you've done the, the math, but I can tell you right now, if you go to Sydney, it's about 30% more across the board. And that it's was so true. It was that email went out that day and I changed locations and Melbourne's where yeah. I landed. Well done because look, <laughs> Nothing against Sydney. It's it's great for certain things, but once again, you know that thirty percent extra is true. Mm. Plus, if you live in a suburb, it's a lot different in Melbourne. If you are living in, say, where are you based? Just as a bit of a guide, I'm in Q East. Q East. Okay, kind of easy to get across the city. Like it's yeah, something yeah, you yeah. can do pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. In Sydney, yeah, it's like a nightmare. I spent a lot of time in Maroubra. Took me nearly an hour to get into the city, and it's not that far out. You know. Yeah. <laughs> So it's just the way that it's sort of built, right? And so mm. a lot of people don't leave their little bubbles, which I find, um, you know, we talk about this human connection thing. It's really hard to make those human connections if people are like, you know what, I'm going to be in Bondi this weekend. So unless you're coming to Bondi, don't worry about it. Or, you know, like a lot of that kind of stuff. But can I so, tell you, can I tell you from, um, and, I, and I spoke about this just recently, mm. When I came to uh, Melbourne at 35, mm. 
I am still finding that that same problem that you're talking about in right, Melbourne. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah. And everyone's always speaking about how clicky Sydney is and what have you. And maybe that mm. is the case. I never found it with Sydney. I actually found yeah. some really good friends very quickly in ah, Sydney. That's but great. Yeah, yeah. I found it here in Melbourne at my age point. Yeah. where people have got kids and they've had mm. their friends for 20 years and they don't give a fuck about making a new friend. Right. At the, at I totally, I'm totally with you because I'm 35 too, mate. And um, No, I'm 39 know. actually, but when I thought I was oh. 35 when I came here. <laughs> well, you know, well, I'm 35 now and I must admit it is that where you go and chat to people and they're like, is this guy trying to make a friend at 35? Right. What's wrong with him? Right. <laughs> Yeah, and then so, you feel like a total dick and you're like, yeah. oh, so uh, do you want to hang out or uh, <laughs> yeah. listen, mate, yeah. I know what you're yeah. up to yeah. and I'm good. I've got yeah, yeah. my quota of friends, okay? <laughs> I've had enough rejection from acting. I don't need it from you, mate, all right? <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, you know, so I had been living in New York before I got here and it's yeah. a different ball game. I mean, mm. in every way imaginable, but... But even in the friends spectrum, everyone mm. there is, not everyone is in the same boat, but um, mm. at any age point, there are people moving to New York. Do you mm. know what I mean? So they're, mm. they're, they're out on their own. There's, th- th- there's a trail off on newcomers in Australian cities, if that makes yes. sense. No, it does. Completely. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. You'll yeah. be traveling around in your early 20s and, and you'll make friends real easy because there's a bunch of other travelers, but you get into the high end of your 30s and you're not meeting fresh faces. They're all, yeah. they're in it. Yeah, and I think maybe that was part of it, mate. Like <laughs> Melbourne, I was young, going out, causing a lot of trouble. Sydney, you know, had a family, was really concentrating on work at the time, so... The headspace wasn't in the way of, hey, I'd really love to make friends right now. <laughs> so yeah. maybe that had a little bit to do with it too. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I certainly have fallen victim to, like I went through a kind of personal revolution where I, and you might have experienced this yourself, if you're yeah. someone that goes and gets their shit together, is yep. for me I like to think I'm I'm. I'm pretty together, you know, like, and I I never used to be, you know, I used to be very prone to, um, just being a bit shit, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you gave it a go. It yeah. wasn't for you. Like, you decided to get your shit together. Yeah, attachment issues and, and the like <laughs> yeah, okay. high stress yeah. and you yeah. know, little small yeah. bouts of depression and all that kind yeah, of stuff yeah. and laziness yeah, yeah. and whatever. And, I, yeah. and I'm on the far side of that now. And mm. so it's one, like I probably could have made a lot more friends if I was less, if I was more tolerant. You know, but because, yeah. I, because, but because mm. I sort of, you see all these red flags very quickly, you're like, mm. eh, when I, and also people don't, want to know you because you're a little too direct or a little too straight <laughs> or, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's there's a, a lot of things at play, right? Totally, totally. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, a, there's a guy, if you haven't ever checked him out, um, called Alan de Bottom. No, no. I would, Tell I, me about I could Mr. be wrong, but he's a beha- I want to say he's a behavioral scientist. Got um, it. Does a lot of talks and he's got a lot of books mm. and he's got these great animations on YouTube at different, you know, dynamics of relationships and, and whatever in our life. And there's a great mm. video called um, the, something like the happiest people are the loneliest people. The happier you are, the lonelier you are. 
Yeah, it happens yeah, yeah. is the more grounded, more centered, and more at one with yourself you become, the more at mm. odds you are with the vast majority of people. Mm. And they start to slip away because yeah. they're still living in, in that depressive, high cortisol, material mm. sort of needy kind of world. And that's not to paint them as dickheads or whatever that's mm, that's mm. that's all of us at what point. they're going through yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but they either don't relate to you anymore or you don't mm. relate to them anymore and your circle of people who are i don't want to use the word enlightened but but just on the other side of things yeah probably for the the way to describe it is are in more in control of their emotions they have a more emotional yeah. control or a higher emotional intelligence maybe mm, mm, um, mm. that field of people that you're able to connect with on a deep level minimizes in my experience and that's <laughs> do, what his whole video is about right do, is it a little bit to do with life experience too in the sense of going well uh, the more experiences you have the more enlightened or the more um heightened you are or aware of these things so that you sort of move past do you know what i mean the, you totally move past of, you, and, and yeah. then and then you don't have when you sit down to discuss what's going in and on in your life mm. that person is is bitching about or complaining or feeling down about what they don't have and you're mm. you're only talking about the great things that you do have yeah yeah and that is the the dichotomy viewpoint. right there like yeah that, that's yeah. you've got nothing. You can't to- stay too long in that energy, too, mate. Like, um, no, that's right. It fucks you up. It really does, you know. Um, Especially if you're aware <laughs> that it's happening, then you yeah. know to pull the pin. Yeah, you're out yeah. of there. The you know? thing, though, isn't it? <laughs> but I do, I do think you get to that point. Like, I just thought of a line that I really have always connected with from uh, Silverchair Song and Daniel John's lyric, which was like, "I don't want to be lonely. I just want to be alone." And so there's this sense of like it's that okay. Diorama? I believe it is. Yeah. Was, yeah. Great album. Starting to oh, great album. Such a great um, album. But isn't that kind of what we're talking about here? There's there's something about sitting in your own energy and being okay with that. Um, but you still want to know that there's people around and connected. It's just you don't have to be in that energy twenty four seven. You know, like there's something powerful in that. Massively, <laughs> massively, and people yeah. don't get it. If they're not no. that way. So they're like, no. oh, what's up with you? Are you sad? Are you low? Nah, man, I actually don't need to talk. I don't, like mm. I, I lived in, um, when I was living in New York, I lived alone. And sometimes mm. when money was tight, I'd stay in, or, you know, and it was winter, I'd stay in my flat for two weeks. Mm. And so when I, and sorry, people out there who are having a hard time with this COVID <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, so locked up and this is this and that. I was like, Get the fuck out of here. I, have, <laughs> I love, I, I've got so many things to do and I'm yeah, so yeah. content not leaving the house and just like, you can still go out to your front, whatever. Yeah. And soak yeah, yeah. up some sun. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm so used to that. I mean, I worked on ships for eight years, so I'd be at yes, sea in my cabin. you know that energy. I, I'd right. be in my cabin for five weeks, yeah. you know, like. Because I want to put this to you because I know that you've, congratulations, by the way, you've just had a little baby, right? Yeah. So this is, I really believe this is the perfect time to be going through what you're going Dude, through right it now. so is. It so <laughs> is. Yeah. Because you, you nest anyway at this point, right? Like yeah. this is something you don't want to be outside. You want to be around your family. You want to um, create those connections. Um, 
however, it can go the other way. <laughs> as as they grow up, like it feels like our house, which is big enough, just having the two kids and everyone in and around the space, you do like my, me and my wife say this all the time to each other. Do you want to go and spend some time and walk around the park or do you need to go and do some exercise? Do you want to go and spend some time? Because it's exactly what you're saying. Being around that energy all the time um, can feel great for a period of time, but then it's also you need to be able to disconnect and just spend time with your thoughts. So um, it's interesting the two sort of different spaces I feel like we're in as parents as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. because I totally remember I know exactly where you are right now and there's no place you want to be except for home, right? Like that's where the love is right now. Yeah. Like, oh, it's interesting. Mm. So I have a, a – I don't know. I Because I've wanted to be a parent for forever, you know, like mm. – as soon as I was old enough to realize the joy that my parents had, I was like, yeah, yeah. I want some of that at some point. Yeah. But I've never nice. been in a rush to get it. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's kind of saved me and some of my stronger decisions and people I should walk away from. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Coming into, you know, the nine months prep beforehand, mm. I sort of made a promise to myself that I would never be out on a job wishing I was home. And that I would never give up the things that make me ultimately a better dad. And yes. That, and that is. Amen. Right. That is. Amen. Totally keeping up the creative creativity, setting yeah. an example there on a creative level and a physical level. Mm. So my, even when I'm dead tired for the mm. first time in my life, I'm still exercising because it is, I made a promise that I would make it a must and to quote Tony Robbins, for those of you who love him, some of you hate him, yeah. Tony Robbins indirectly through his work who trained indirectly my life coach, right, I, yeah. I have my wife and my child because that man exists. Wow. And there's a big, through, there's a big yeah, story there. Yeah, there's a story there. <laughs> <laughs> Strike yourself you, in. You know, I've never Here shared this story on the podcast. Here's, here's yeah, it. please. Um, so let me finish answering what you yeah. what I was going to say is so it's great it's really really great and when I took two weeks when Layla was born and you know can't really afford to take two weeks but whatever got to do it man do it because you yeah, don't get so that we, time back so we uh, Layla turned a month two days ago I think so awesome such a good time yeah so so <laughs> I was on my mum was here and then like. You know, she was only here for like a week and then she had to drive back to, per- yeah. to Perth at, in like the middle of the night because they were closing the borders and all this craziness. But anyways, um, so yes, I took the two weeks and then um, started going back to work. And But yes, yeah, so I made a promise to myself that I would never, you know, just be yeah. staring at my phone and, and, and what have you. Um, but yeah, so... What was your what was your original question about that? Well, I, can I touch on something really quickly? Yeah, I'll, go I will on. go to that question because there's a story there. Um, but you touched on something that I am massively into right now in my creative journey and in my personal journey, which is around legacy. There's something when you have children, and this this just like hits me so hard that I'm like, 
it just works perfectly. Like the example here is this, um, when we created Before I Go, the film, so this is with Laura Bailey and yep. um, all around mental health and the tie back there is uh, it was inspired by uh, when I was very young and I was at school and one of my friends uh, lost her father to suicide and I just remember all this happening and so with everything going on in the world, I knew at the moment that my hometown was really suffering with, um, you know, blokes not having an outlet or feeling like they had to be stoic and all this type of stuff. So this film came out and it was all around mental health and how, um, you know, rural people don't communicate or blokes don't communicate in the same way that, you know, metrosexuals like myself <laughs> tend to, you know. Um, but turning that conversation from, uh, you know, vulnerability is a weakness to vulnerability being a strength. And so the link here was as we were writing this story is when I had a heart, when we had Harper, which was, uh, my, can I my just first say born. quickly, that was our first choice for a name, Harper. <sighs> Man, <And> then- <laughs> you think you're so unique, don't you? And then you just keep hearing Harper and Harper and Harper. <laughs> and then Eric was like, ah, I'm not so keen. And then I was like, oh, I'll keep on it, keep on it, keep on it. Yeah, and then yeah. I was out the back one day listening to Eric Clapton and I went, hey, yeah. babe. How about Layla? She's Layla. like, oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I was Fantastic. like, done. Yeah. Sorry. sorry. Well, no, no. To add to that, Layla was on our list. So there you ah. go. <laughs> so very good. That's perfect. Um, so, yeah. And what ended up happening as we were writing this particular short film, uh, Harper came into the world and this film changed for me in the sense that, you know, how did I want my daughter and my son now to grow up in the world and, and to feel about being able to share when they need to share. And that whole thing around as a dad, how am I going to communicate with my children so that they can see that I'm emotionally available as well. And it just like the goosebumps. Now I'm feeling them like this whole idea of legacy suddenly bubbled up in me and it hadn't been there before. So it's amazing right. how these things in your life, you start to go, oh, shit, this is something I need to explore through my art. Oh, shit, this is something I need to explore. And I still haven't finished exploring legacy. I just think it's such an amazing um, topic, you know. Like who, who, what kind of father do you want to be? What, um, what do you want to teach your children through what you do? Well, there's, um, there's, there's, fuck, there's so much to unpack there. Um, yeah. So you're, the, 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 the line that we're on started with, you know, how am I feeling about um, being at home and rah, rah, rah. And, and my response was a long way of coming to say that I had just spoken to, I just came home the other day and said to Erica, like, I'm so glad that my preparation for internally for how I was going to be yeah. Is happening effortlessly at yes. the moment in that <laughs> yeah. I'm at work. I love my daughter. I love my wife and I'm sending them Marco Polos and I'm fucking, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, yeah. and looking at photos, but I'm not yeah. like, Oh God, I've got to get home and, and yeah. fucking up on the job and, and I'm, and I'm, and it's good. And one of the things, so I have, 
a couple of nephews and I was very fortunate when my um, younger sister's son, Sebastian, was 18 months that I moved down into Esperance where they live and mm. I was there for sort of six months. So my rent was nappies and bath times <laughs> and swimming mm. classes and fucking awesome. parks and all of that. And he and I... <laughs> Apprenticeship. Yeah, totally. <laughs> And, yeah. and so I was very fortunate and yeah. um, just knew that. So I've been planning ever since then. And my my boss asked me the other day, you know, like, have you just been shocked at how much you love her and what have you? And I'm like, no, not at mm. all. Like mm. I knew exactly how this was going to so of course it's going to change when she starts eyeballing you and talking to you and, and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. So I'm not, I'm not trying to sound yeah. like a, this fucking cool customer, but <laughs> it really yeah. is everything that I knew it would be a hundred percent. God, I had something else that I was going to run on with there with you. I do want to say it does change, brother. Like when they start talking back. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. your your views on the world, like this is that whole legacy thing again, but it's like w- by the words that I use, what am I teaching them? And you can't be too hard on yourself either, right? But you do really start to check yourself going, oh, where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. You know, even like this was when we talked about good girl. Like good girl sounds like such a simple thing, but – like, how are you using that? Good girl. Then, like, I remember talking to my therapist about this, man, around the good boy vibe. You know, like, for a very long time, I was going through some dark times. And for a very long time, I, I felt like there was no shadow energy that I could bring into my world. And that's a very, um, that's a very tiring thing to just try and be happy all the time, man, to, to, to the outside world and not share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that came from a lot of good boy. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. So, you know, when I say good girl and I do use it, it's like, what, what is that? Is that going to be a box for, right. for her? Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you can't you know, overthink good, it too, right? Like correct. It's, yeah. But you've got you to know. find that, that happy medium. Mm. I had been planning in my, like, because I came to the, um, especially the acting space, I came to it very mm. late on in the piece. I was 35 before I started actually training. Mm. Um, and I knew what was mandatory for my life and that was to, to be a professional creative and, you know, to meet the woman that I would f- fall madly yeah. in love with and have children and start a family with. Like, yeah. But I always knew that I, was, I would be a shit dad if I <laughs> poured everything that I had only into them and gave up on everything yeah. else. How could 100%. I turn around to them when they were failing at something for the first time and wanting to quit and say, well, what did you do, dad? Well, I just gave yeah. it up because of you, yeah. Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that becomes there's like resentment and a whole heap of things that come with that. So that's really important, mate. I, I'm so on board with that, that you have to continue to be your own man your own woman, whoever you might be, to show them that they don't need to just play one role in life. Explore where you want to be, who you want to be, and, and own who you are. Um, mate, I could go on all day about this, but um, <laughs> it, is, it is something that's quite front of mind for me at the moment, you know, especially in um, 
being in isolation like this, you're, you're kind of exploring it a lot at the moment. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, for sure, for to, sure. To talk. Um, but I, I've also made a conscious decision to try and not make my creative time about this either. Yeah. You know, um, and, yeah. Then, and, and I'm not saying that, 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 that people shouldn't. Like there's lots mm. of great things coming out, but there's also – a ton of garbage coming out. Oh, mate. With people riding yeah. the fucking pity train like crazy. Mm. Mm. And I don't know, man. I don't know anyone with COVID. And I know one person who knows someone with it. Mm. And, and I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. Obviously, it fucking exists. But mm. I don't know. I've had a, I've had yeah. a flu before. And it sucks. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. It was okay. (laughs) I do got to put it out there, man. Um, I do know a few people with it. Do you? Um, Right. Yeah. One that, one that came out of life support, maybe six, seven days ago. Jesus. Um, One of the things. No pre-existing nothing. No, look, to be honest, here's, here's the thing too, is that this particular person, I don't think was looking after themselves as well as they should when they got sick. Mm -hmm. But I had another friend who is an actor in the States and he had it and he just said to me, he goes, it is not the fucking flu. Trust me. Um, he's a young guy about the same age as me and it knocks him about a fair bit. Now, obviously, to get to that death stage, you know, it's one of those things where I don't want to say this too generally, but, you know, there, there can be pre-existing conditions that mm. push it over the edge. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where when it becomes personal in your life, you start going, holy shit, yeah, maybe what we're doing is important. But I know that so many people out there are like, I see these, this meter with deaths ticking over and these people have got it ticking over and it's just a foreign concept because we don't know anyone. So what are we doing this for? Yes, yeah. And I, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm blasé about what's happening no, in the world no, no, at no. all. And, yeah, and I, and I yeah. definitely, yeah, I sort of teeter on the line of mm. I don't want this to become a means to for governments to have their their way with with information yeah. that isn't theirs, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. feel like that's happening a little bit. I've mm. never been a fan of mainstream media, and I fucking hate turning on even my computer now with red warning signs and mm. death this yeah. and death that, and then them going, oh, but actually, you know, ninety percent of those people had pre-existing, or ninety percent of those people. Um, Really, actually, only had a cough, and that you know, like that doesn't sell papers. It doesn't. It um, so that tune the, people in. Yeah, it tunes people in. But, man, um, that's the problem. Let's get back to acting. Um, <laughs> you've yeah, got an really upcoming project, stuff. which is—is is this the one that you stopped the podcast <laughs> to? I'm sorry, I looked on IMDb before I <laughs> jumped on with you oh. today. What's your oh. feature that you've got coming up? It's on your webpage and I read about it. Yeah, okay. Uh, that would be after the end. Yes. So, yeah, interesting, man. So that that's I shot maybe three or four years ago now. Oh, fuck off. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, amazing experience. We shot it down at Princetown, which is down near the 12 Apostles. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I'll explain it is it's basically the Australian Walking Dead. This is the best way to describe okay, it. Okay, yep. Um, uh, I was pulled onto that project 
because I knew some people, uh, really big fans of their work, and they said, hey, we've got this role. Um, do you want to do it? And I said, hell yeah. And it's a cool, badass role, man. Like I um, put on a lot of muscle for it, shaved my head, grew a massive beard, did all that kind of stuff. It was a really cool role. At the moment, the thing about that project is it's so up in the air whether they're going to, I think, have the funds to finish it. Um, Shit. I, I, I really and, – and look, this is an assumption because I haven't sort of yeah. prodded much about it. Um, but it was a big project, man. I was so excited to be a part of it. And it's really, do you know when you, do you know when you do a project and you put your heart and soul into it? Oh yeah. And it doesn't have the off. time you're going, <laughs> yeah, the time you're going, this is going to be great for my career. This yeah. is such a good role. Have it. And then it doesn't come off and that blood, sweat and tears I'm so glad you, you you don't know that while you're in it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Afterwards, you can kind of go, oh, yeah, that was a lot of time and that was painful. Okay, yeah. cool. I can and let I, it go. And I made fuck all out of it and it probably cost me more in earnings to do it. And <laughs> oh, man. Like I, t- I took off, like, you know, I was working full on there in my creative producing roles and I took, I think, nearly a month to go and shoot this thing. Um. And I'm so glad I did because, you know what, the experience itself, continually getting up in the morning and have to just do every day as an actor, jeez, mm. you can do all the classes in the world um, and it's not the same as being on a working set every day. Dude, there's no – 100%. I, when I came off my first feature, um, you know, I remember sort of having a beer with the other actors at the end of it and I said, isn't this just the best? Like yeah. this is just to get dream, to man. know that I'm doing this for days and days and days is so good. And finishing the day and then learning lines for the next day together. So and- good. And then the camaraderie and just, you know, the energy of a film set. I always say this, but the energy is different on something like a, um, you know, a neighbors or a, or a home and away, which is sort of shooting day to day infinitely. You know, that's kind of their day job, the crew, right? Whereas there's something about, you know, a four-week project, there's a magic that happens on set and mm-hmm. everyone feels like super tight and connected. And so it's just a very different energy. And look, even though that project hasn't come out yet and I don't know whether it's going to, <laughs> I, I wouldn't change that experience. No, I know man, that sounds no, wanky, that, man, but. That's like, a shit way to live anyways. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's not going to help you in, yeah. in pushing on. Um, <laughs> but, but I think that that's such a um, a, a, a common denominator in the people who are on this podcast and the people who mm. are listening to this podcast is mm. just like whether you're on the 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 front side of that experience or on the back side of that experience, mm. it happens to us all and. It comes and, you know, I'm constantly seeing friends and actors who three years ago were on set of something and finally this project is coming out or it never did and you're getting those messages, hey, man, what happened to that thing that you were doing? Well, you know, we only just got enough money to shoot it and then 
And, and I'm not going to go into it. You and I can talk about this off camera because I've spoken about it on nearly every podcast. Okay. But I have my own film, yeah. you know, that I yeah, yeah. created and, and a friend of mine wrote and shot a year and a half ago. And right. It's a 15 Featuring? minute. No, it's a short. I mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah. actually 45 minutes worth of footage. But yeah, wow. Lauren and I spoke about it um, yeah, at length. I heard and, that. Yeah, yeah. And she really went to town for me to try and to get an editor and it didn't pan <laughs> yeah, out but the boys finally put together a cut but this is like December 18 that it was shot mm. Mm. I originally wrote the first well co-wrote the first five pages in 2015 wow man that's a project you know and and now like there's a back and forth going on about yeah what should we do here? What should we do here? And I'm, yeah. I'm almost at the point where I'm like, yeah, just do whatever you want, man. I don't give a fuck anymore. Like, <laughs> I really don't. Like, it, Maybe I'm not that's even the energy it needs, man. Yeah. Just a little bit of like, cool guys, just make it work. Yeah, like, I mean, I watched all the footage, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not even. I don't know. I could probably I'm too close to it, but there's a part of me that's yeah. like, I'm not even sure that what's on my reel now is. Less than this, yeah. so we'll benefit from this thing that I did eighteen yeah. months ago, and that, that's it. But a it's, great it's, experience yeah. making something that you created, and all of the shit that can come with it. And I think that's a, a good way to be, man. Because to be honest, this happens to me a lot, where uh, I get really excited about a project, and then. I go off it because I'm excited about something else to have the discipline to stay with a project for the amount of time that you have well done to you, because it's really hard to have that discipline. I find because I get so super excited about something. And then if that time feels like it's past, I have to move on. Like I do this with Lauren all the time from a, from a film perspective, even with before I go where it's like, there's a stop point for this film now. It's on the festival circuit. We've been speaking about taking it to country towns and showing it and talking about it in a bit of a Q&A style. But there's a stop point for this film because there's other things that I'm passionate about that I want my time to go towards. So they're the hard decisions you've got to make sometimes, man. Isn't yeah, they it? Are. Just go, that was a great yep. experience. They are. I, um, yeah, I feel like I've got – well. I had two ideas about this. When I was trying to write the park, I was like, okay, I have a short attention span. <laughs> Me too. I'm How can I put this to good use? Because I'm struggling to do this thing that I hear writers talk about where they'll just sit down and smash out 60 pages in a 12-hour sitting or what have you. 40 yeah. minutes and I'm, and I'm out. Yeah. So, but maybe if when I get up from that 45 minutes, it's not to go and sit on the couch and do nothing. It's to redirect my focus for another 45 minutes into something new. Mm. And so maybe collectively at the end of the day, I've done four hours on five different projects. Mm. And, and maybe is that a way that my brain can do things? <laughs> Yeah, you've got to find the way that works for you. But one of the things that I would say to that is make sure that you give your brain space as well. Yeah, it didn't work. Like you don't 
always have to be doing something. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm the same, man. Like if it's intense focus for 45 minutes, I need to go away and be brain dead for a bit yeah. and then come back. Yeah. Uh, because I do my too. brain needs to defrag. And this, and this, <laughs> this, this comes back to mm. me beating myself up about not being productive enough, you know? Yeah. And then, and then you do. you do whatever you do. And someone like Lauren, when I first met her for the first time, was like, how the fuck have you written a script and produ- <laughs> produced, you know, 10 different podcasts in whatever it was, like nine weeks yeah, or man. whatever. And I was Crazy. like, well, I don't, have, I don't know. Like, but I was thinking yeah. maybe I'm a bit behind the eight ball. You know, <laughs> and I was hearing that in the podcast, man, about you know coming to it so late as well. You feel like this real urge to or immediacy to get things done, right? That's that's what it's about. It's about like chasing and 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 grasping as soon as possible. A hundred percent. I just I'm I'm terrified that <laughs> I'll be fifty five and and get my big break and feel like the big break isn't enough because I missed all of the roles that I really wanted to do or something, you know, but I'd like to think that, but that, that's that circle thing that you go through yeah. in your mind where you dial back to the fact that, well, actually I'm not the kind of person who regrets anything and I'm a pretty, no. la, da, la, da, la. and then like, well, if I'm getting paid really good and I can provide for my family and I'm still on the screen, then I'd probably be pretty happy. But, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100%, man. And it, like roles come to you when you're ready for them. I True. really believe that. 100%. So- I, um, I was thinking about this today. It's so funny you say that because I recently had – like the biggest audition that I've ever had um, by a million miles um, <laughs> because the other auditions I have had associate this, and I can talk about it now because they've cast it, but it was to okay. play Robert Langdon from the Da Vinci Code in uh, the yeah, new yeah. series. Oh, wow. Yeah, right? great, great to be even thought of to like, put down yeah, a tape and having never been thought of before. Yeah. Um, awesome, man. So I get this audition through. It's like eight yeah. pages. It's like produced by Ron Howard. You know, it's yeah. going to be in Toronto. <laughs> um, and I just thought, even if I do get cast in this, which I'm not because I have no experience. No one is, they're going to cast a giant web on this and they'll be just seeing people. Uh, and the guy who got cast is not a hugely known name. I couldn't even tell you his name, but I know mm. the face and he's done a lot yeah. of TV shows already. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no fucking way I'd be able to pull it off. You know, if they were, if they were casting or, or if they said, okay, you've got six months to prepare for sure, but they wanted to start shooting well, actually, they wanted to start shooting a couple of weeks ago. They, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. They probably yeah, yeah. haven't. I had, I, let's just no, say I got yeah. cast, I would have had three weeks to prepare to be the oh, lead wow. in a major, major show that already has Imagine a- if you got cast, man, and then you had to go into isolation, like- Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd be doing Skype chats with my, my coach, Miles Pollard, the fucking whole time. Yeah, <laughs> getting ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, um, so and I was like, oh, like you said, when 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 you're ready, they fucking land on your door. Yeah, yeah, man. I really, I really have belief in that now because you know, 
when I was first coming into acting, like I actually thought that I came to it late, mate. So it's funny that you say that. And I came to it around about 18, 19. Like, <laughs> isn't that funny? Um, and I don't mean to make you feel no, more no, anxious no, no, about no. yours. But thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I felt like I was behind the eight ball at that age, right? And so I got cast in a few things, one of them being a sort of uh, guestie on Neighbours for like 10, 12 episodes or whatever it was. And anyway, I quickly was found wanting after that because I was getting these bigger auditions and then my technique wasn't there, man. Mm-hmm. So uh, I could feel in room, you know, casting going, oh, okay, young dude, this is good. He's done a bit of this, he's done a bit of that. And then I'd go and do. And then I feel like in room they'd be disappointed right, at the, right. the result. And it was at that point, because I was naturally comedy, right? Comedy was the thing that got me where I needed to be and, and do all that. Then I started following craft. And it was a process of six, seven years, man, of developing that through workshops, through just doing. And I really feel now that my craft is, is strong. You know, like it, it allows me to, this is the way I look at it. Back then, I felt like my best was here and my worst was here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like that gap has got smaller. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. hundred percent. There's a there's a consistency there because you have innate instincts now that had to be taught and nurtured and, and beaten built. out of me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh yeah. And sense. those too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, but like. That's what you're talking about when you're saying doing that role for such a long time with someone like Ron Howard is they want someone who can be that consistent throughout mm-hmm. the shoot, right? Mm-hmm. That can at least even their bad days, cool, man, well, we've got something in the can, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, look, I mean, you have to be, I don't even know if it happens in this day and age, but maybe it does, um, where you would, cast a nobody i mean and a real nobody as a show showrunner is not the word because that's that's someone who runs a show but um mm. you know the lead in an episodic investment yeah. like that who hasn't had experience in mm. those shoes um i was it's a commercial risk isn't it right like that's if you look at it as a business it's a risk totally that's you, what it is um my last guest who was on is a very good friend of mine tom hayton and Mm-hmm. And out of the blue yesterday, he sent me a bunch of links of Terence Stamp in interviews talking about his career and acting and what have you. Yeah. He has, I always thought, this isn't so terrible, just the, the parts that he's played and what have you, that he would be a total prick. And <laughs> just Terrence Stamp, who, who, mate? Sorry, who? Okay, Zod in the first Superman. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Whatever yeah, yeah. in Priscilla, yeah, yeah. Queen of the Desert. What yeah, was the name? Yeah. Don't know. <laughs> you know the character I'm talking about, yeah, right? I do. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's been in a mountain of shit. And in the yeah. 60s, he was the fucking guy. He was like an Oliver Reed. He was voted the right. sexiest man in the world. His missus okay. was this incredible model, like the whole show. Yeah. yeah. And he had this inc- just you have to listen to his his conversations about just insight into the industry and dealing with 
whatever comes your way and taking mm. it on the chin and being very um, vulnerable and very um, humble about, mm. well, you know, I was a top tier player and then I wasn't. So yeah. I, you know, would take first class flight to feel like I was still, but like he was yeah. very, very insightful. Um, and I just didn't expect that. I don't know what, yeah. what triggered that tangent about him. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting though, that thought of um, having some modicum of success and then feeling like that's not there anymore, if that makes sense. It's such a transitory thing, this idea of success that it can't be the thing that defines you as an actor, I think. Um, because if it is like your success needs to be not dependent on other people. <laughs> Does that make sense? I really believe that it's got to come from you. And this is where, as the confidence grows, like for me personally, yes, it's great to have success and to do a, a long running role and all that kind of stuff. But there needs to be a level of appreciation that your craft is growing and that you're doing the best you can to deliver on that craft and that in itself is success. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm under no illusions <laughs> that if you're in nothing and no one's seen you doing nothing, it's like a tree falling in the woods, mm -hmm. you know, that whole thing. But there's got to be more to it, I think, than, than seeing the tree fall. Do you yeah. agree? Uh, Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you did a full circle. I think you kind of. I feel like you might have might have slightly contradicted yourself there in that statement. Yeah, talk to me, because yeah. it's not like being an oil painter or yeah. a solo musician. Yeah, it does depend on everyone around you, because if that writer didn't write a great script, no matter how good yeah. an actor you are, it's fucking rubbish. You know. Yeah. And if your cameraman can't pick up your greatest moments and your director doesn't fucking rein it in and bring it back, no one's going to, you know. This is exactly Unless your what brand I mean. is self-taped monologues. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It but is dependent is, on everyone. It complete No, so here's the thing. Um, I'm speaking about a, an internal idea right, right, of right, success. Right, right. Yeah. So um, outward success, sure. You, It's a collaborative sport. There's no way you can get away from that. But the thing is to find some elements of control in the way that you look at your success. Right, right, right. right? Yeah. Because there's no use. Or how you define like, it. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I, I was referring to. Okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Come across. But that's the thing for me is if I'm defining my success as a creative, as the fact that I've been in 15 Thor movies, then, <laughs> you know, I can tell you I'll be a failure right now, you know? <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'd, see, I would take that as a massive success. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it would be. But here's the thing. It's not going to necessarily happen, right? Right, right, <laughs> yeah. right, right, right. So, so how, yeah. do you, how, how do you now, yeah. as you, what makes you feel successful creatively? Yeah. Um, different things for, for different um, pursuits, but for acting for me, success can be as simple as, like, example, we'll, we'll use the self-tape example because I think it's a good one. 
I work with a bloke who's in LA every week. We do scenes. We talk about it. We go off. We do the next scene, whatever. I do that and I tend to read with people and whoever I can find. For me, there's so much joy in nailing a fucking scene where I can sit and look at it and go, ah, you know what? (laughs) For most of that, I really felt in it. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like there's a joy in the process. So, and it's so important right now because there's a joy in the process of doing. And if I can do that on a set and I can earn money doing that, then even better. Mm -hmm. But it's not my definition of success. And and if it is, then, you know, that depresses me a little. So then what is? That's what, like doing, the act of doing. Um, I know it sounds so wanky, but it's one of those things where when you're in it, you've been in a scene, right, where you're like, oh, that felt good. It's like a high. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It can be be cathartic, it can be a high, it can be um, just all these amazing things all at once. That in itself has to be success. The other trappings are great too. Um, And and I'm not trying to say that, oh, I don't want to be successful. I do. Mm. God damn, you know, you want that. But at the heart of it, if it's just about all the outward stuff, then I think I'd probably give it up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I'm not, yeah. I, I know that when I do that loop of, God, you left your run too late and maybe too, you know, mm. blah, 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 um, that when I made the decision to become a professional artist. And this is before I started acting mm. because mm. I wanted to be a photographer for a long time too. I mean, mm. I, I'm a full-time photographer now, but yeah, yeah. when I started doing it and building my portfolio and people I respected giving me the thumbs up on my work, for me, that was like that, 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 that huge paradigm shift of I could never not, not be doing this to mm. this capacity ever again, no yeah. matter what. So I'm probably yeah. going to be broke for the rest of my life, <laughs> but I will be so happy. You You'd know, because yeah, yeah. I just, and I was working in oil and gas. I was making 140 yeah. grand a year. Yeah. 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 Right. And yeah, there's no way I would go, I would give this up to go back to that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Layla, you're going to fucking be wearing the same clothes for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean, man. Like, yeah. Um, <clears throat> There's got to be a sense of like the validation's nice, right? Mm. But use this example as well of like your work. You know your work's good, right? Like you know when you've done some good work. Just because someone says, nah, it's not really my bag, does that make you go, oh, yeah, that's shit work? See, do you know what? I'm. Here's a funny thing. I'm kind of on the other side of that because I left yeah, right. it so long Yeah. that when I finally – develop the courage to do it, I felt that everything I did was amazing. <laughs> I love that confidence, you know, man. I was like, That's oh. so good. And my teacher would be like, what do you think that out of 10, what do you reckon? I was like, probably an eight. <laughs> you know, he's like, that was a one. 
That was rubbish. I have no idea what you were talking about, what you wanted, where you were going, who you are. You barely like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are all now dumb after having looked at what, you know. Exactly, exactly. And I and, yeah. and I truly, yeah. so I'm my worst, my, I'm my own worst critic in the other sense that I yeah. have a real hard time knowing when it's bad. I mean, I know when it's terrible, but I'm so <laughs> proud of myself for doing it because I procrastinated for 20 years. You are so lucky to have that point of view. Like, I mean that earnestly, like, it's so good to be that way because the other way can be destructive. Yeah, I never understood that. I when I was, I remember I got my first dose of that when I was studying art and design, and you know, hearing someone badmouth their work, and it was clearly, clearly incredible. And I'm like, mm. then why fucking do it? <laughs> like, why? The artist curse, man. Don't do it. You know, and, and especially in the yeah. fashion world, everyone, yeah. like in a conversation, will hate what they do. Behind yeah. closed doors, especially the high-end people, yeah. love what they do. And like, yeah. if you don't love it, don't do it. Yeah. And look, man, oh, man, there's so many paths we could take with this. But the, the, <laughs> there is really a wonderful thing if you can love what you do and be honest about it that well, that's is a the wonderful next, path that's the next step yeah 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 I, yeah i i definitely i'm not sure when that will come it still hasn't come i definitely need a good um creative compass nearby someone that i can go just Tell me what's happening here. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, my yeah. friend Anthony Sharp is is definitely that. He's yeah, yeah. he's and I, and I said this as my opening intro about our conversation with him. He's one of the yeah, few people yeah. in Melbourne who certainly didn't need a fucking acting friend to come in and out <laughs> of the blue. And we connected on Facebook, and he took time yeah. out of his day to come and meet me on Chapel Street and have lunch. So we had good. a couple of beers. Didn't know yeah. me from a bar of soap. Um, and that was three years ago. Um, we've done a bunch of self tapes together and, and he even, you know, did a scene with me from my film and. Oh, great. And he's really good at going. Yep. Nah. Great. Nah. Yep. Like they're the, they're the people you need on your team, man. Totally. They are hundred percent totally. the people you need on your team. Gee, that was a because, giant fly. Man, I've got more team here, man. Hold tight. <laughs> He's gone now. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you need those people because if you don't, you can you can sort of swirl in your brain and you don't know what side's up and what's good, what's bad. Totally. Um, totally. And talking about success, um, I haven't worked with him for a while, but but my first acting class ever was with Miles Pollard. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know who I'm talking about? Mm, refresh my memory. The name rings a bell. He was the lead in McLeod's Daughters, and he did Drift with Sam Worthington, the surf right. film, and yeah. Um, looking so he does for, his single classes, or is it he part of a bigger school? So that one was he does like master classes in in Murdoch yeah. University in Perth, but he also gotcha. does private coaching and yeah, cool. Um, I've had this conversation with his sister, so I know I'm not saying anything outlandish here. He's <laughs> he's he's an he's a great actor, but he's an even better teacher. 
Yeah, yeah, some people like that. And he, <laughs> I remember watching, so there's a great, great film with um, Rada Mitchum and uh, Richard Roxburgh called Looking for Grace. Yes. Can't remember it, but yeah, I, I, yeah, right. And he was Richard in Richard Roxburgh is amazing, by the way. And um, I went to the, the premiere and I was sitting there with his sister and um, – she she said it to me and I was like, oh, thank fuck I'm not the only one who thinks that, you know. <laughs> but, but anyways, yeah, so I'd been coaching with him for four years and yeah. it was only like four years in before he finally, not finally, like I was waiting for it, but sent me a message after the my last session before I played Ned Kelly and he was like, mate, yeah, you got it. You know, so good. and it was that was like four years in the making. I was like, oh, "Wow, yeah, yeah, okay, that's <laughs> that's, that's good." About the game, though, man, you're always growing. Like, mm. even at 55, as you're saying, like, I'm sure you'll find things about the craft that you'll go, "Yeah, man, that's that's new and improved," and and I'm glad that I've taken the journey that I have to get there. You know, mm, mm. so it's it's and once again, having people like Miles to bounce off and tell you that occasionally is Jesus. It's so important. Massive. You get, massive. Oh man, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what it's like. You get lost in the mire sometimes of going, <laughs> was that any better than four years ago? Yeah, you know, yeah, like- yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I certainly experienced that with my photographic portfolio. I mean, there is, there is stuff that I took in my first year that still mm. is, I consider my best. And then there is so much that I'm like, Oh Jesus! I have yeah. to find a way to get this off the internet. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, yeah, so yeah. bad. You know? Rewrite history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I even I remember being in Tafta and them saying, "Oh, you know, bring your card along and we'll record, mm. re, you know, record your scenes and blah blah blah." And I'm like, mm. "Do I really want to go?" Even as someone who thought that what they were doing was great, I've never mm. gone back and watched any of that shit because it's got to be rubbish. <laughs> yeah, you, look, here's it. Yeah, I agree with that. And you also start to, I reckon, as you start to learn with different people, mate, to that point is you realize what works for you and what doesn't mm. too, I feel. And, and um, you can watch all the clips you want. And I, don't get me wrong, it's a great thing to do if that's what you're into. But you feel within yourself, I think, um, whether something is working for you or not, mm, whether that mm. be a teacher, um, a particular technique, whatever it is, your body tells you that, I think, in time. It might take you a good year or two or something to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, don't you? You do and you, you yeah. need – I was lucky to have, um, you know, experience as someone who was building a brand beforehand – in terms mm. of photography, I knew through mm. a really impactful conversation with a famous photographer called Russell James when he mm. was talking about how you work out what your style is. And he said, just every shoot that you do, flick through the proofs and whatever would stop you as if you were looking in a magazine, that's your style. That's a cool little way to look at it. It was isn't it? so good. It was <clears throat> so good. And then after, you know, four years of acting or whatever, every scene that ever worked well and people went, oh, that's great. You look at that and you go, oh, that's what I yeah. do. That's what I do. And that's what people, that's, that's what resonates really, with people. Yeah. It's a really good way to look at it, mate. Um, 
Yeah, I really, yeah, I really resonate with that because one of the things I remember and one of the ways we connected again um, was the possibility of, of doing a photo shoot together. Yes, yeah. Um, and just making sure they're still going. Um, and what I really loved because I know exactly what I want for this next shoot, right? Like, <laughs> and so I was looking around and then I stumbled upon your website and I went, ah, there, here it is. Just from looking at what you'd presented across your page, um, which says to me you have a good sense of your style uh, in the way that you want to shoot actors, the way you want to shoot fashion, whatever it is. Um, do you agree? A hundred percent. And none of that <laughs> yeah. was, yeah. oh, I want it to be this. Mm. This was just an actor. It's organic. Comes along and like, like I never thought to shoot actors until I became an actor. And then, well, I had, mm. but, but in a fashion sense, but yeah. And so then I would just kind of shoot them the same a little bit. Um, and then it's like, funnily enough, when I first started shooting mm. headshots, the older actors would come back to me and say, oh, my agent, you know, this isn't, this isn't how headshots should be. You know, they're a bit yeah. too deep yeah. or they're a bit too mm. this or they're a bit too, like just too intense or, or whatever mm. the fuck, mm. you know, it wasn't. Mm. Mm. The, yeah, that yeah. Classic, I mean, there's a million things. Yeah. Yeah. And then it wasn't until sort of three years into the game that one of my agents looked at my work and said, this is exactly what I want. I feel that the industry is going this way and we need more yeah. headshots like this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, then so, I, I, I would agree with that with looking yeah. at your shots. <laughs> so finally, um, finally it came around. But, but, and, and I'm first to, I don't mind confessing this. I probably only do 12 headshots a year, 12 headshot shoots a year. You know, when my friends are doing two yeah, a week yeah. and they're complaining about not doing three. Yeah. My style is so specific. Yeah. There is still only a yeah. very small percentage of people that, that yeah. like it, but the people that do That's good. really love it. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's something in having that niche too, mate, where um, I don't think I'm speaking out of school once again of going, there are a lot of head people shooting headshots that are shooting them exactly the same that I couldn't look at and go, oh, that's this person. No. Oh, that's yeah. this person. Totally. Uh, and I think that is important as long as you're still portraying the particular person as they are, like yes. so they don't go. Within the given hey, circumstances, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you want to be known for a certain style. You don't want to just fade into the background. A hundred percent. I had I had someone recently who came in for a shoot and – she was like, you know, what happened here and what happened here in terms of editing and what have you. And I said, well, you know, you came to me asking me, yes. by the way, this person, if you're listening, you have all of my love and respect. So I'm, yeah. You know, yeah. she's an incredible, yeah. incredible person. Um, but I said like this, I've worked really hard at, at making this brand and this is how I do it. You know, yeah. um, I'm happy to to alter that for you, but that's why they've come out this way is because I yeah it's just that's just how how it is and everything that you've seen yeah. before uh, it got the same treatment. Yep, yep. So, so yeah, so exactly. So nothing's changed here. This is my style. This yeah, is and what I worked you, you really paid the money for, hard right? to keep, not <laughs> not to develop it, but to keep it and to not yeah. be like oh, people. Oh, can you can you do it like this and like this? I'm like. You know what? Actually, if you want that, you, I know someone who's really great at that. That, but that's not me. 
yeah. so important. I, I completely subscribe to that mm. of being able, having the wherewithal to go, you know what? I don't think this is going to work out. It's not going to work out. I think there's someone else that I yeah. can suggest. Yeah. And that's, I've had people come to me and ask me, yeah, hey, do you want to shoot my wedding? And I'm like, look, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> probably not, you know, like, it's gonna be honest with you, you. you're not going to like what I want to do, you know, and yeah. if you do, then let's do it. But I'm not doing any yeah. family shots. I'm not doing yeah. any of you on the altar. I'm not doing anything <laughs> that's event, you know, if you want to yeah. do yeah, some really cool stage shit, then I'm your guy, you know, or, or some real like yeah. fly on the wall abstract shit. Yeah, yeah, Done yeah. deal, but I'm going to let and you down. And that's not everyone for their wedding, let's be honest. Yeah. You know, you're very specific with your audience to do that <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. That's about 2% of, of weddings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about 2%. <laughs> that's so true, man. So that that's, um, I subscribe to this idea of brand and being so true to your brand that you have the guts and and can sit within that uncertainty because sometimes it's an awkward experience to be able to go, you know what? let me say that I'm not the right person for you. Mm, mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you've got it. It's to. hard when you're a yes man as well. What's I'm the, a yes man. Oh, are you? So it's hard. It took me a long time in my freelance creative work as far as working with big brands and things like that to go, um, no, this, this, you, you don't, this is not the right role for me. Right. Go find someone else. Yeah, okay. Um, and, you know, the funny thing, People then want to work with you more. Totally, totally. Yeah, it's you just got to stick to your guns, man. And it's really, really hard. You and you do have to pay your dues. And 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 yeah. um, I spoke with um, I've speak I've spoken about this a bit, but mm. that progression too when you are still doing minor projects and what have you. But you say, if you want me, my reel is enough. Mm. You know, I'm not auditioning. You know, yeah. I, I don't have the time. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. and honestly, if I'm not the right guy from you, from what you can see, then I'm not the right guy. You know, Correct. that should be able to yeah. tell you enough, you know. I agree with that also. You don't do all that work on that show reel. <laughs> now I get it. Some roles are big that you just need to go, radio. I need to know that you can go there. Or I need oh, to know chemistry that you test. <laughs> for sure. Correct. Correct. But an audition on a fucking Tuesday at one o'clock when you've got a full-time job, yeah. no, for a mm. fucking unpaid or minor, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm completely on board with that. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you do, like you say, when you do stick to your guns and – but you also then – You've got to have the the capacity to back that yes. up in the conversation too. Yes. You know, you've and got the humility in that conversation yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. And we um, sit down there and go, oh shit, none of our ideas are aligning. I'm not mm. your man. Yeah. 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 Um, um and there's a respect factor. I've had those discussions uh with a writer once before, actually, where we our ideas were just not anywhere in the same ballpark. Um and it was a really lovely discussion. Yeah, <laughs> and I had yeah. so much respect for him because it was just this beautiful thing. I was like, yeah, you're exactly right. This is just, we're on two different planets here with this. Like this is not working. Um, thank you for saying that. Yeah. Let's, you know, and it was such a wonderful way to just break a project rather than, or to step away from a project rather than 
we may punch each other in the face here. It's, Do you know what I mean? It's fucking rare, dude. And and unfortunately <laughs> yeah. what's happening now too is everyone is terrified of offending someone. I'm like, yeah. A, I'm not going to make the choice to be offended. B, yeah. just fucking yeah. say it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like I, 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 I <laughs> yeah. was working on a short film just recently yeah. and unfortunately the second part of the film has been postponed. So we're actually – Still haven't finished it, but right. they contacted me and I gave them the spiel. Hey, I'm not going to audition, but if you want me, let's talk. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Happy yeah. to sit down and chat. And then eventually they came around and said, Yep, let's sit down and chat. And during that conversation, they said to me, You know, how is it? How do you roll? What do you expect? What do you like on set? And I said, Look, I'm very quiet on set. I don't like to talk too much. Um, I like to just sit in it and honestly, I, I don't have a lot of time for small talk and yeah. fucking around. I just, yeah. I'm quite comfortable sitting in the back going over my shit, but I can tell you that I'm very interactive once it's go time and I'm very yeah. vocal and I learn as much from being right as I do from being wrong. I've learned a million, mm. sorry, I, I learn a lot more from being wrong. So <laughs> yeah. I am going to th- throw a lot at you and I'm sorry to yeah. say, especially because you're students and I'm a little bit more experienced than you, I'm going to be pretty forceful with it. Yeah. And they were like, great. It's a good sense itself, man. You know. To be able to well, raise that. Because I think about things from a composition standpoint in, in terms yeah. of storytelling, not from a text. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, wouldn't it be great if I actually, because you're going to be <laughs> yeah. catching me in a 35 and I'm going to be coming. Like, what do you think about that? And then if I. Yeah. Um, so if you're okay. But to have that conversation straight up. Yeah. And I say, like, if you're okay with that, I don't mean to offend you. I know that students and, and young filmmakers before me, before you have been offended by me saying that and producers have been very protective of mm. their student director and th- thought that I was trying to control the set mm. and it's mm. not. I'm just a very strong-willed person yeah. like that. And Prof- what people Professional for- sets though. Yeah, Sorry, but mate, what people ahead. forget is that it's okay to tell me to fuck off because you're the director. Yeah. That's what I was about to say, man, was professional sets you'll learn very quickly like <laughs> you'll get there and you'll say something, then you'll be shut down. Yeah. You go, cool. That's that's the line there. That's right. And, <laughs> and I am so okay and, with that. Yeah. Yeah. Tell yeah. me no, you know, yeah. Or, yeah. or let's meet each other halfway. Let's do it both ways. Yeah. And then yeah. you've got it in the bag and you can use it if it works and if not. Yeah. And, and so that, that's, I think that's just a professional way of working, man. I think that's. I'm not Especially sure it's that common. Especially in a creative. No, it's not. <laughs> I agree with you, it's not. Um, but it is a bloody, probably the best way to work, mate. It is the best way to work because, you know, it's hard enough without all the bullshit of like not knowing whether you're offending someone or, or how other people are going to work or having to tiptoe around people to do this or do that. It's, it's hard enough without all that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's really... Um probably one of the stronger messages that I will try and get across to anyone that I'm working with is I'm really not trying to piss you off and I'm, and I, but I just don't give a shit about tiptoeing and Mm. I, I want this thing that I want so badly, but I would never in a million years sacrifice who I am 
mm. to get it. Yeah. And pa- passion and purpose with direction, man. That's exactly what that is. Yeah. 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 Um, that's lovely. What a note to, uh, to, to wrap it up on, I reckon. Bloody oath. I'm about 1% on my battery here, man. <laughs> oh, so this is perfect. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a pleasure to talk Absolutely, to you, mate. Absolutely, man. Really so been. good. So yeah. good. And I can't wait till you get down here and we get to, to work together and smash out some great <sighs> shots for you and um, hopefully work on something properly. And Yeah, man. And, I'm keen on that. Hopefully it's not too far away. And uh, I'd love to uh, be on your podcast sometime. Yes. Well, once again, once it's back on um, in some form, we would definitely love to have you. I'm pretty sure I can speak for Lauren Bailey on this one. <laughs> well, uh, anytime. So I'm looking forward to having a chat. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, man. See you later. Take care.